Lockdown World. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Free on all platforms, coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday. So start your weekdays, make the show your first listen, tell your friends to do the same. Locked on Blazers, your team every day. Today's show, we are going to talk about the Blazers' second half of the season. They play a game in earnest this evening, Thursday, February 23rd at Sacramento to begin the second half of their season, the final 24 games post-All-Star break. little news heading into what we know uh, prior to that game there. And then we will talk about the Blazers, uh, both historically what they've done in the second half, as well as as well as what it's going to take for the Blazers to truly, truly make the playoffs. Um, we will... I, I want to talk about sort of the the myth-making behind how special the Blazers have been after the All-Star break, because here's the truth. They have been good at times, but not always perfect. And then I want to talk about like the reality of where they are now and how they're going to get, if they're going to make the postseason, what that's going to look like. That's what we'll do in today's show. But first, let's, let's hit the news. Blazers released an injury report ahead of their uh, first game back after the break, where they are in Sacramento to face the Kings. Uh, Sacramento? been pretty good this year the Blazers wish they were that good but Portland is still going to be shorthanded uh, the team announced that Yusuf Nurkic remains out Justice Winslow remains out Amphrey Simons no surprise there remains out Abu Baji if you were if you, if you really wanted to believe remains out and Jeremy Grant has cleared the concussion protocol and he is he is ready to return that means the Blazers will be down with uh, you know, Drew Eubanks will start at center, but they will be, have some some spots to fill on the wings at the two and the three. Uh, according to Sean Hyken of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, uh, Johnsy Billups told reporters that, or told Hyken, I guess, that um, uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic is progressing well. And Hyken also reported that Justice Winslow was when, you know, the way it works for reporters is like you get let in at the end of practice. They're not still practicing, but there's like guys getting on court work afterwards. And Hyken said that Justice Winslow was doing more stuff running, jumping, shooting than he had been pre previously when they'd open the doors and you see a little bit and he's just doing stationary shooting drills. That that's uh, bodes well for Justice Winslow. It doesn't bode well that he's been out for two months with an ankle sprain. So it must be just a gnarly ankle sprain. Um, in general, I don't give much credence to the progressing well language. Um, the Blazers have been so strange with injuries over the last 12 months that when when Yusuf Nurkic is back, he'll be back. I think uh, the 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 notable thing is that he's not available. To, he's you know ruled out a, a full day ahead of time for the for the Thursday game. He's ruled out you know Wednesday afternoon for a Thursday game. So he's he was it was clear he was not going to play. Uh, Winslow also according to Hyken not not. Uh, not going through contact portions of practice yet. So he's still, you know, even even if he's making some progress, um, he's he's not he's not super duper close um, or he would be, you know, back bumping around with his with his colleagues. Uh, that means that there are some some starter spots up for grabs, uh, basically two guard and the, the small forward spot wings, I think is probably. uh one one day we really will get away from positions, but for now we'll call it the two and the three shooting guard and small forward. Uh, obviously, the choices are Matisse Thibel, Cam Reddish, Nazir Little, and uh, and Shane Sharp. Uh, Chauncey Billups, according to Hyken, said that he's really deciding between Sharp, Thibel, and Reddish. Um, I don't know if Billups and 
Nazir Little have beef. I would assume that they don't, um, from what I understand, um, from the from the little reporting I've done on this subject, little little digging I've done on this subject. I don't think they. I, I don't think there's anything there. But Chauncey Bills just doesn't trust Nazir Little. Doesn't trust him for a big minute role. Um, it is curious to me, but he just Nas has never earned it. Uh, some of it was just like obvious defensive issues, but like. And maybe they really want to see what Cam Reddish has, and they're really invested in seeing what Cam Reddish has because Nazir Little's under contract for multiple seasons, and and Cam isn't, so it makes more sense to go that way. But I'm I'm surprised that Nas wouldn't even be considered as a as a chance to start because also you you want to see what you have. Um, if I had to guess, I bet Thibel and Reddish will start, and and Sharp will continue to come off the bench. If I just had to guess based on the way Chauncey has, um, this, this purely guess based on the way Chauncey has done rotations in the past. But I hope my hope is that Shaden Sharp plays 28 to 35 minutes and if you come off the bench 28 is probably more in the range that you could realistically play unless you play a really long stretch in the second half where you don't come off the floor so um yeah i i hope shane sharp plays a bunch that's that's one of my one of my big hopes for for the rest of the season um this king's game you know they play at at sacramento thursday and they have a couple days off in the weekend and play sunday home against the houston Rockets. so if you're itching to see them you can you can catch them sunday at the moda center contact your local ticket representative um you can just, i don't i don't know if the, that's the thing you still do um then like uh, they play uh, a back-to-back Tuesday and Wednesday at Golden State and then against New Orleans. It's at Golden State and then home against New Orleans. Uh, those those road home back-to-back stink because that is not a very valuable road game. Like you you flew the night before you or home game rather. It's you you flew the night before. Um, you're, you're getting back into Portland late. It's like that is that is not that's it's that's a tough uh, a tough one is is the road home back-to-backs obviously home road is, is really hard too but like road games are hard anyways you want to rack up home wins and getting one that's like, particularly tough second night of back-to-back against new orleans that's that one is tough and then friday they begin a six-game road trip in in atlanta um i'm kind of beyond the point of predicting here's what the blazers need to do and this is if they do x and x and like the we're too deep into the season. I've been burned too many times by giving them my optimism. So I'll just say like, they're going to have to win some games and I'll put a specific number on it later in the podcast of if they want to make the playoffs. But the push starts now. I mean, Houston is an easy game, but Sacramento, Golden State, New Orleans, Atlanta fresh off firing their coach and trying to make a playoff push. You're, you're playing play. This is a stretch of playing playoff teams um, other than Houston. So get that win. Try to stack some others. That's your plan forward. Um, we'll probably see a lot of Tease, a lot of Reddish, and a lot of Shane Sharp. And set 17 minutes and not a second more of Nazir Little because that's, that's how the coach does it. Okay, let's, let's talk about what the Blazers have done historically in the second half. I think there is a... Um, a belief or this idea that the Blazers always t- are really good after the all-star break. And this is when Damian Lillard ramps it up. And this is when the team takes off. And I dug into the history of, of this. And I'll say this as before we get into the, the specifics, there's some truth to it. <laughs> Absolutely some truth to it. That stuff's real. The reason why people say that is because it's real. But before we do that, I want to tell you, dear listener, about FanDuel. Listen, we have reached... The halfway point of the NBA season. The second half of the NBA season is upon us. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your best 
combine your bets rather for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official, an official sports book betting partner of the NBA. All right. I think I have believed this for a long time, and I've seen people. I've got a couple emails about it, and I've seen some, uh, seen some posts about it on r slash rip city, and a handful of tweets here and there. Um, um, but but there is there is an idea that the Blazers have a chance to c- kind of you know put put their put their foot on the gas and 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 cruise make a run for the postseason, and 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 because they have historically been really good after the all-star break and I, I i think i believe this like i without before i had looked it up i like in my brain i was like yeah i think that's true like that this is like they, they turn it on they've they've been a good really good second half team like you hit the all-star break sometimes they're kind of underwhelming then they get going and they kind of um you know all those that that stretch of eight consecutive playoff uh, runs was was buoyed often by second half charges so I wanted to go to the numbers to find out if that's true. And I only looked at the post-Lamarcus Aldridge numbers um, because one, I didn't want to look at like a, a decade of Damon Lillard performances, but I think the sort of like Dame as the dude uh, rosters are, are are maybe a little better of a comparison. Although like even even like on the, tw- like people who played regular, people who played regular minutes in the 2019 Western Conference Finals run. One guy on the roster, his name is Damian Lamont Ali Lillard. Like, um, young Amphrey Simons wasn't getting, wasn't getting serious minutes at that point, And no one else was on the roster then. So like, even comparing the last time they made a big postseason push obviously is, um, apples to oranges. But what, but what we're really looking at here is like, is this sort of, um, is, is the urban legend of the second half Blazers true? And, and like, let me tell you, for a time, it absolutely was. 2015-16, the year they finished 44, with 44 wins, kind of made the playoffs out of nowhere after LaMarcus left, and they pivoted. They went 17-11 after the break. 2016-17, that's um, the following season. They kind of doubled down on a roster that was mediocre because that was kind of their MO. Uh, they weren't very good. They had to trade Mason Plumley. They get Yusuf Nurkic. They go into the All-Star break at 23-33. and That's a bad team. Like, that's not... They get rocked by the Jazz heading into the break uh, in, in Nurk's first game, and they go into the they go into the and um, they go into the break just like kind of just not good, just straight up not good. They come out eighteen and eight after the break, finish forty one and forty one, and sneak into the playoffs. Twenty seventeen eighteen, the following year, seventeen and seven after the break, and then twenty eighteen nineteen, the year that they ended up in the Western Conference Finals, nineteen and six after the break. So the first four years of the of the Dame as the dude era, yes, yes, absolutely crushed it after the break. This is who they were. It's like they get to the All Star break, they'd be scuffling, or they'd be like twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. They ended up with high playoff seeds, right? It's like we're going to be good. Let's go be good, and they made sure that they ended up like you know with home court advantage in the in the playoffs. Um, one of those years didn't work out great. You may you may recall in the twenty eighteen playoffs when. Um, they got swept uh, as as a high seed, so um, that was that was troublesome. But it, it wasn't because they didn't, you know, they put their the playoffs are their own sobering reality, separate from the reality of just like you got to play well to get there. The season is incredibly long, but typically in those first four years they were really good. Then in ni- at post All Star break, Blazers were really good in 2019-20. Like you'll recall in March of 2020, our our lives changed forever. 
um, for the worse, to be clear, <laughs> they're worse now. Uh, I guess you like many of us work from home, which is maybe more convenient, but like it's worse. Life's worse. Um, so the immediately following the break, their first 10 games, they went four and six. And then um, Rudy Gobert tests positive for the novel coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 and the world just went to heck. Um, and it stayed in heck for an extended period of time. Uh, the Blazers came out after an extended hiatus and went and Dame went nuts in the bubble and they uh, and they made the postseason and that's great. But I don't think counting the three months off or you know, two and a half months off, go to Orlando with no fans, play a separate play a separate set of games when Yusuf Nurkic is back healthy. I don't think comparing that in the to the uh, post All Star is um, particularly useful data. Like that's just a different thing following year also pretty pretty screwed up in terms of scheduling but the season started in december they tried to cram it all in there to get back on a normal schedule thanks to what had happened um in the bubble and finishing the season in august and blah 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 they had to like um they played a 72 game season and they tried to they tried to they played a bunch of games all in a row super compressed season so the all after the all-star break and um in in 2021 they were um or in after after that all-star break is they were 21 and 16 right like they were um they played 35 games they were basically the same before the all-star break fine they won more than they lost but it wasn't like they took the big run it was still a big chunk of games it was basically half the season it was more like the midway point as opposed to like the 70 percent mark and then you push from there so two-thirds of the season done and then you push from there which is like the typical all-star break stretch again not particularly meaningful but it condensed like in terms of comparing apples to apples here and then last year they went two and 21 after the all-star break because they tried to lose intentionally and they shut everyone down with um uh i'll call them exaggerated injury reports so it was a thing it was a thing. And then it wasn't. And it partially wasn't because like the, that team, the 1920 team was a mess. The just roster wasn't very good. And then, and then Zach Collins got hurt and he was like a linchpin for the whole entire roster, which is kind of unbelievable. Um, Ronnie Hood got hurt. Uh, they had a Carmelo Anthony and then their front line was Carmelo and Hassan Whiteside. And it just, it wasn't very good. They weren't very good. So, um, there was a time when, yeah, every year you could count on the Damian Lillard-led Blazers of taking off after the All-Star break. In recent seasons, it hasn't been necessarily true, part because, you know, the in 2020, they weren't probably were going to buck the trend anyway in, the, in that, that year. And then the previous two years, it's like, it's just not a very good comparison. It's like 35 games after the break where they went about, the, they played about the same number beforehand and had about the same record. And then last year where they lost on purpose. Not a great comparison, but there was a time when this was real. So that got me thinking like, does Dame always put his, put his a foot down in the, in after the all-star break? Like, is he always really good? So I looked at Damian Lillard's career splits, pre and post all-star splits. Pre-All-Star break, for his career, Damian Lillard has averaged 25 points, four rebounds, just over six and a half assists on 44% shooting and 37% from three, 89 and a half from the free throw line. Post-All-Star break, for his career, he's averaged 25 points, four rebounds, six and a half assists, 44% shooting, 38% from the three-point line, and 89 and a half percent from the free throw stripe. He's dying. He's darn near identical. Here's the thing about Damian Lillard. It's not that he turns it on pre and post. It's that he's really good always. <laughs> he's just a really good basketball player. 
It is true that he's had bigger scoring surges. And the best example of this is in 2016-17, when he was averaging about 26 a game pre-break, and that bumped up to 29 um to uh, 29.7 on 61% true shooting. He basically averaged 30 points per game on 61% true shooting, and they went 18-8 and eight to make the playoffs. That year, he went nuts. The following year, his scoring bumped up, but his efficiency didn't come with him. Same with uh, same with the year after that. Or, excuse me, in the year after that, in 2019, he's basically had identical numbers pre and post break. Here's the thing about Dame. He's good when he plays. So, pre-All-Star break, post-All-Star break, Damian Lillard's going to bring it. That's good news because he's having maybe the best offensive season of his career. Maybe just straight up the best season of his career. I think he's been better on defense than he has in recent seasons as well in terms of uh, like want to and interest in playing defense. I think he's um, I, I, I particularly like just guarding the ball. I feel like Dame has been much more competitive in, the, in this season. Not maybe not much more, but more competitive in the, this season for my money. So um Here's the good news about like the maybe the myth or maybe it's maybe outdated, outdated idea that the Blazers usually take off out after the break. Damon Lord has been incredibly consistent when he's been on the court. His pre-All-Star numbers are, are nearly identical to his post-All-Star numbers. And if that's the case, again, you're getting a dude who's averaging like 32 a game along with close to close close to eight assists and he's just he's just been fantastic he's been one of the probably four or five best offensive players in the league he's back to the level that um we've seen him be at, at when he touches his peak and he's doing it for a sustained period of time where he's just unto himself a great offense and he's been that so if you have faith in the blazers it's because you have faith in dame carrying them along with a beat up roster with um you know with a, a fat road trip coming up here in march with all of the challenges ahead of them if you believe in this team you it's because you believe in dame and history tells you he's just good when he plays pre and post all-star even if he has history of turning it on he also has history of already having turned it on so what do the blazers need to do to make the playoffs that's what i want to talk about to close the show I got the number for you. I have I have gone digging to what I believe is the number the Blazers need to hit and the number of wins they need to get in order to make the playoffs. That's what we'll talk about to close the show. Join me in that final segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. And you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. I went to Cleaning the Glass. It's a stats website run by Ben Falk, former NBA front office employee for a variety of teams, including your Portland Trailblazers. Ben has uh, the projections, the 82-win projections for every team based on their statistical profile. And why I like Ben's is because uh, cleaning glass sorts out garbage time. So it's like, when the games matter, how is this team playing? What is their profile like in, co- in the competitive moments of basketball? And the... So I looked at the projection for the top eight teams. Actually, I looked at the projection for the top 13 teams in the West because uh, I don't think San Antonio and Houston are getting there. They're doing something else. Um, But there are 13 teams in the West that are at least vaguely interested in making the playoffs. I have no idea what Utah's front office wants to do, but their players want to make the playoffs. No doubt about it. The like Lowry, Markin, and Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson are going to try to win basketball games. Um, But like, you know... (laughs) maybe uh maybe Danny Ainge has uh, maybe Danny Ainge has other plans but I looked at like 
you know, the 13th place Lakers, they, they fancy themselves a playoff team. Uh, the Blazers, not 100% clear to me that they're like making an aggressive playoff push. I would say that they're probably not, but certainly they're not going to um, pull the plug, uh, not not without some other prompting. Like they're going to come what may. They're, they're comfortable. I, my read on it, based on Joe Cronin's comments and based on some comments that Damian Lord made on a podcast over the weekend, they're, they are going to go for it. And if it doesn't work, they're comfortable if it doesn't work. But what I did is I went to clean the glass and looked at the projections of win totals based on everyone's every team's statistical profile to get an idea of what, r- roughly speaking, the eighth seed in the West is going to need to make the playoffs. What you're going to need to be a top eight team in the West. Obviously, you t- top ten teams get uh, nine, you know, nine and ten get into the play-in is really hard to make it from the nine and ten. Certainly, it happens. Uh, see New Orleans last year. Um, you can. Single elimination games are weird. You get there and anything could happen. So um, the number, Memphis and Denver are both on a 53-win pace based on their statistical profile. Sacramento's at 45. Then New Orleans, Oklahoma City are at 44. Dallas and Golden State and Phoenix all at 43. More on them in a moment. And then, so that's your cutoff. That's eight. Nine and 10 and 11, actually. Minnesota, Portland, and Utah all profile as 42-win teams right now. And below them, the fourth-place Los Angeles Clippers profile as a 39-win team. And the 13th-place Los Angeles Lakers, they've been bad all season. They just have good players on the roster, but they're bad. 37-win uh, team based on their statistical profile. A lot of that is like you missed AD and, and LeBron. You get smoked in those minutes. You look like a bad basketball team. But those are profile. Like the actual standings have some have some weight here too. Like there's there's some there's some meaning in the standings. I, Denver and Memphis, like the Blazers are not in the range to even be talking about them. Um, you know, they're what, seven and a half games behind Memphis. I don't think they're making up seven and a half games in, in the final 24 on the Grizzlies. We'll see. Wouldn't it be fun? But everyone else is at least vaguely in range. Like the Blazers, as we sit today before the second half of the season, are four and a half back of the Kings. They win on Thursday. They're three and a half back of the, of, of, you know, what would be the tied for fourth place Sacramento Kings. That is, there's still a ton of teams to leapfrog, so it's not as simple as like just three games, but like you get the idea. It's close. So if you look at the standings, you're not catching Denver and Memphis. Sacramento gettable, and judging by my man Matt George over at Locked on Kings, there is some angst among the Kings fan base whether they're going to hold on and make the playoffs. I believe they will. They've been good all season. They've been really healthy all season too. So um, as long as they continue that trend, I think, you know, if, if, if Sabonis and Fox play, they're going to be they're going to be fine. The Clippers are in fourth and I think the Clippers got better at 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 the break. Like I think they added Russell Westbrook today officially. Um well, I don't think Russell Westbrook vastly raises their ceiling, but I'm not one of these people that thinks he like tanks a team. Um but he might he, on other teams like the the Clippers can cut bait is the thing. Like they can just say Yep, this didn't work. See ya and play Terrence Mann and, and Bones Highland. Like they can just let him go. Um, it's it's the Lakers didn't have that luxury. Forty seven million dollars. Like the the salary stuff is easier. And I also just like don't think Russ is like a wild, terrible negative on that specific team that needs like someone who can get to the rim and someone who can pass a little bit. Um, I don't think he's a good fit necessarily. I'd rather just play Terrence Mann, but I don't think I don't think Russell Westbrook is terrible. I think Aaron Gordon is a nice addition. I think Mason Plumlee is a nice bench addition. Like I think the Clippers got, they're already in fourth and they got better. And I think the real thing with the Clippers is their record's really good when Kawhi plays. They, I mean, that dude doesn't play often, but like, 
when he plays, they look like one of the good teams. Assuming he plays down the stretch, they're going to be one of the good teams. Uh, the Suns, I don't, did the Suns do anything at the, at the trade deadline? I can't recall. Oh yeah, they added Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think the Suns are going to get a little bit better too. You know, they're in fifth place. They're whatever, a game and a half back of uh, back of the third place Kings. I think the Suns, like even if they profile as a 43-win team based on their statistical pro- profile up to this point, that does not account for the addition of Kevin Durant, who is apparently going to make his return in March 8th. So we're a little while away from, uh, that's Courtney Shams Trani of The Athletic. We're a little while away from the, that exactly. But um, when he gets there, I think they'll be pretty good pretty darn good uh the Mavs are in fifth or, excuse me Mavs are in sixth uh, I think they're better uh in, le- in the regular season they're better Kyrie Irving is going to make them better in the regular season I don't think that's controversial Pelicans are kind of a mess um the, the, Zion's not going to play for an, uh, still a couple weeks um they were really good at one point when they were healthy they at times look pretty helpless um, um they just they just can sputter out heavily on both ends where it's like they can't score and they can't get stops and then there's moments when it's like oh they have a million good wings and they have brandon ingram and oh man they can they're really good um they're just they're they've just been kind of um they've been searching for it for a while i think they're a team that you could that conceivably they're one of the few teams they're the only team so far on the top seven that i could see taking a step back um i i guess the kings could technically but i don't see them dropping as far because they're not all the way um you know they've got a three-game cushion on New Orleans. Minnesota's been playing better. They figured it out. Anthony Edwards, after a slow start, was playing a lot better. Uh, Golden State, still without Steph Curry for at least a week. OKC just won't go away. The Jazz might want to get worse. Then you got the Blazers and the Lakers. The Lakers are better, but who knows if they're ever going to get it together. And the Blazers are just, um, they're a little beat up right now. And if they get healthy, they can get there. That is to say, I think of the t- of the teams that are like in the playoff race, and there's like... They, I don't let's let's just say the Jazz are for our purposes of the 13 teams in the playoff race. I think you could argue that like, I mean, removing if we take the 13 teams, remove the top two of the 11 teams kind of chasing those those final spots. I think you could argue that like seven of them improved um, just like by health, by trades, by kind of finding their rhythm, figuring out who they are. Those like, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the jazz got worse and the and and that's probably it the blazers got worse but like they were they they haven't moved much in the standing so um it, it's you know it's just it's going to be tough so what do the blazers need to do you're saying what you, you promised us a number what's the number based on the projections of 538 the line to get to the eighth spot is 43 and the line to get to the to the 10th spot is probably about 42 wins so i'm going to say for the blazers to make the playoffs down the stretch they're going to need to go 15 and 9 15 and 9 it'd be their best post all-star um surge in a, in a while because they've had some weird post all-star seasons uh due to the changing world um 15 to 9 that gets you to 43 wins that's the number they got to aim for um they really haven't had they have not been that good in a while they have not put together a stretch where they've won 15 out of 24 since early in the season um they just have struggled all year long they um they had a really hot start and then they came crashing down and they just haven't been consistently good all year long. They haven't, they won the first four games of the season. They haven't put together a four game winning streak since then. Um, They are still in the mix to be sure. 
they are still in the mix, to be sure. Like a win over the Kings on Thursday, they're right back in the playoff picture. You win, you beat the Kings, you beat Houston, you get two in a row playing the Warriors on, uh, that game's on Tuesday night. You have a chance probably to, to end up in ninth place when the dust settles. But I am kind of, um, I've said this before on the show, I'll say it again. I will be late on the Blazers. I'm comfortable being late now. Um, so if they do this and they rip off some wins and they beat New Orleans, you know, and they rip off four straight out of the break, I will be the doubter late on the bandwagon. And I will try to grab the back of the bandwagon and y'all can kick me off and throw me under the truck. That's fine. Um, that's where haters belong, I guess. But like, I'm just, I'm, I've kind of, um, I kind of tapped out of my like, they can do it optimism. But I'll say this, they can do it. Like the math is there for them. And Damian Lord has been excellent. Um, they're not totally out of it. They got to win 15 of their final, for my, for my, based on my calculations, they got to win 15 of their final 24 games to get into the playoffs. That's a big ask. It starts today as you're listening to this Thursday evening. Let's see if they can do it. Come back for more shows tomorrow. We'll talk about the Kings game on our show on Friday, and then we'll do five more shows next week because that's what we do here at Locked On Blazers. It's a daily podcast, free on all platforms, coming at you Monday through Friday. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.